You're listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Grab your Bibles and go to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Today we're going to be reading, uh, starting with verse 12 of John chapter 12. And I will go ahead and admit, like I have one agenda over the next couple weeks. And the next couple weeks is about Jesus and you. And I know we're in a season right now where a lot of that can get drowned out and it becomes about things that are commercial or less than and it can get really frivolous and it can be about bunnies and eggs and outfits and such. Uh, but over the next couple weeks, what we're going to make this about simply is Jesus and you. Jesus and you. John chapter 12. Pick up with verse 12. It says, On the next day, the large crowd who had come to the feast, when they had heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took the branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and began to shout, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Jesus, finding a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. These things his disciples did not understand at the first, but when Jesus was glorified, they remembered that these things were written of him, and that they had done these things to him. Verse 20. Now there were some Greeks among them, among those who were going up to worship at the feast, these then came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and began to ask him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, Andrew and Philip came and told Jesus, and Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies... It bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. If anyone, if anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. But now my soul has become troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. So the crowd of people who stood by and heard it were saying that it had thundered. Others were saying an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice has not come for my sake, but for your sake. Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Verse 32. But if I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. But he was saying this to indicate the kind of death by which he, would, he was to die. The crowd then answered him, We have heard out of the law that the Christ is to remain forever. And how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Jesus said to them, for a little while longer, 
the light is among you. Walk while you have the light so that darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. Verse 36, while you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become sons of light. And thus the last week in the life of Jesus would be ushered in. The last seven days that would lead up to the event that would forever change history began. We know it as Palm Sunday. Where Jesus fulfilling a prophecy in the last seven days he would actually feel, fulfill 29 different prophecies as he made his way to the end throughout this week. He rides in on, on a borrowed donkey. And this is on the heels of raising Lazarus from the dead. So his popularity had begun to grow. And people were, were curious about this Jesus. And so he makes his way back into Jerusalem, the hub, the city, as it becomes time of Passover when they will celebrate their freedom from, the, from Egypt from hundreds of years of slavery and how God had set them three, free through the blood of a lamb. He rides in from Bethany, just a town a few miles north, into Jerusalem on a donkey. And crowds began to lay palm branches because that was symbolic of a king. And they would shout, Hosanna. And over the next few days, Jesus would do several things in what we know in, in the church as Holy Week. He would mainly go back and forth from Bethany to Jerusalem and Bethany to Jerusalem, and he would accomplish a lot there in these next few days. As he knew, as his words just indicated, that the true purpose for his life, the real reason why he had been born, was about to come to pass. And in part of the, those festivities throughout that week, he would spend a lot of time talking to two, really two specific groups during this week, his disciples and the religious people. His closest inner circle of 12. And then that group of people that above all else should have recognized Jesus for who he was. The religious people who had spent their entire lives studying the Old Testament law, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, studying the prophets. They should have been experts. And so if anybody should have recognized the reality of Jesus, it should have been them. And they were missing it. So Jesus actually goes into the temple and he's pretty angry. <laughs> because they're turning a house of worship into basically a marketplace for their own personal gain. And Jesus goes in and turns the tables over. And he says, basically, you're, my house is supposed to be a house of prayer. And you're making it something it wasn't supposed to be. And he has a long conversation over the next couple of days with the religious people. If you read through Matthew chapter 23, basically he just he blows them up. And it would all lead into Thursday evening when he knew he was getting close. Like whatever God the Father had for him next, it was coming near. And so he decides to have one last meal with those 12 disciples. And if you read the Gospel of John, a good portion of that book is dedicated to the conversation that happened in what we know as this place called the Upper Room. It was a borrowed room. Jesus in 30 years of life, he was never a homeowner. Never had a place to, to lay his head. But he borrows this room, and he invites the twelve up into this upper room. For all intents and purposes, it was an attic. 
and he has this Passover meal, celebrating what had been done. And it's a beautiful time. It's in that moment when, when he looks around and he already knows in his spirit what's going to happen. He knows that, that, that the pressure is about to be turned up. And many of these men are going to run from him, deny him, betray him, sell him out. But he looks at them with love and compassion. And he does something that, that, that a king, most kings, would have never done. He says he gets up from the table and he wraps his towel around his waist and he takes a, a pitcher of water in a basin, and he washes the disciples' feet. And now foot washing would have not been uncommon. It was typical, because the way they would have dinner, they would basically be laying around a meal foot to head. And so it was very common for men and women to have their feet washed before they would recline at the dinner table. But the host of the meal would never do it. It would always be a servant. And even in that moment, Jesus is trying to teach his disciples something. And you probably know the story. At some point in the meal, he grabs a loaf of bread and he grabs a cup of wine. And he says, guys, pretty much you've had bread and wine your whole life. But after what's about to happen, these two elements are going to have new meaning. From now on, this, this bread is going to be represented of my body that's going to be broken for you. And this, this wine is going to be represented of my blood that's going to be shed for you. And they share this meal and they have this time together. And then Jesus begins to be overwhelmed even more. And he heads to a place, a garden, where he begins to pray. And he knows that like this is coming and, 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 and he has in his spirit, he knows what's about to happen. And, and he knows the brutal death that is kind of moving in to the doorstep of his life. And the Bible says that, that he's pretty overwhelmed. And matter of fact, even the Bible says it looks like he's sweating blood, which would have been a condition where, where you're so stressed out that, that things begin, your capillaries begin to burst into your sweat glands, and it literally looks like your body is secreting blood. And even in that moment, he looks at the Heavenly Father, and he says, God, if there's any other way, if there's any way that somehow I can avoid this, that would be great. But if not, Father, your will be done and not mine. And shortly after he would pray that prayer, Roman soldiers would come and take him away. And he would spend all through that night going through multiple trials before the high priests, before the religious officials that would eventually bring him to the Roman government because they were the only ones that had the power to sentence him to death. And he would go before the Roman governor of that area at that time, a guy by the name of Pontius Pilate. And Pontius Pilate didn't really want to get mixed up in all this. He wasn't Jewish. He didn't, he didn't care that really Jesus had broken their Jewish laws according to them. He really, he really didn't, it really didn't matter to him. He even says, what, what has this man done and they continue to pressure him and convince him. And even uh, there comes a point where Pontius Pilate's wife has a dream and encourages him, Pilate, have nothing to do with this man's death. Send him away. But then there comes a time he tries to get an out because it was tradition at this time that they would, they would let someone go. Someone would get their sentence commuted. Someone would be set free. And so there's a, there's a thief there by the name of Barabbas. 
and Pilate sees this as maybe this is his opportunity. Maybe this is his chance to get the blood of Jesus off his hands. And he walks out to the crowd and says, it's your custom to let someone go. Who will it be? Barabbas or Jesus? And the crowd says, set Barabbas free. And Pilate says, well, what of this Jesus? And some of the same people who just a few days earlier would yell, Hosanna, yell, crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. Which meant Jesus would head to the worst form of capital punishment that's probably ever existed. See, you look at a cross and you see something totally different. For them, it was an execution symbol. But before that, Jesus would be beaten, flogged. He would be taken before the crowds, stripped down to bare skin, bent over a rock, and they would take a whip that was made out of leather and bone, and they would give him 39 lashes because they, they would whip the bone into the back of the prisoner and rip it down his flesh, and rip it down his flesh 39 times because they were convinced that 40 would kill you. Then he would be given the task of carrying the crossbar of his own cross up to a hill that scripture calls Golgotha. And there he would be crucified. And crucifixion was, was an ugly death. It was a slow death. And, and for six hours, Jesus would hang there. And basically how you would die on the cross is, is they would stretch your body as much as they could. They would take each arm, and a Roman soldier would get on each side and stretch your arms as far as they could go. And then not we don't know if it was the hands or the wrist or somewhere, somewhere in, in the lower part of the arm, they would shoot a nail and they would aim for the nerve that's basically your funny bone and pierce you to the cross. And the same thing with your legs, they would stretch you as far as you could. And they would put you on the cross and how you would die on the cross was typically of asphyxiation. Because on the cross, in order to get air on your lungs, you'd have to push yourself up in order to get air into your lungs and breathe it out. And there would come a time, the way you would die, is you would get to the point in your body where you were so weak, you would no longer be able to push yourself up to be able to get your lungs to open up and breathe in air, and basically you would just suffocate. That's why it was custom if it took a little too long, eventually the Roman soldiers would break your legs. But in order to fulfill Scripture, because they said to Christ that no bones on his, no, none of his bones would be broken. But Jesus is standing there, and he addresses several people and says several things from the cross, but there comes a point. Jesus shouts out, It is finished. And he breathes his last. And he dies. Now, a few days later, something special would happen, and we'll talk about that next week. But today... I want to focus on it is finished. Because see, up until this point, everybody around him and everybody who loved him didn't believe this was going to happen. 
Several times they tried to challenge Jesus that, 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 that Jesus, you're not going to die. There's no way you're going to die. And he repeatedly told them, I'm going to die. Like there's going to come a time. I'm going to die. Three days later, I'm going to be raised to life. But I'm I, the Son of Man came for this purpose. He came to give his life. And there are times, there's even one time where Peter's like, never, no way, Lord, this will never happen. And Jesus says, basically, I rebuke you. Get behind me, Satan. You don't understand. And many times Jesus would have this conversation. And even in the upper room as he's talking about the the body and the blood, and even as he's walking through this last week, I think they still don't understand that this is going to happen. And I think the reason why they didn't understand and didn't believe this was going to happen is because they failed to realize that it had to happen. It had to happen. If you notice in the passage that we began with just a moment ago, Jesus says the word, if. If. He said it several times in that passage. He said, if anyone. But more importantly, he said in verse 32, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. If is a powerful little word. If. I mean, we can can overlook the ifs. But if we're honest, if, if is a word bursting with potential. If is that bridge between promise and payoff. If, think about, there are, there are 1,784 ifs in Scripture. And every one of those is very, very powerful. And here he's having this conversation once again, the disciples. And he says, if I am lifted up, something very powerful can happen. The if is this powerful word full of potential and possibility. It is the bridge between promise and payoff. If can change anything. If can change everything. And Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. If. If. Because see, There's an alternative to if, right? If not. See, if this doesn't happen, if not, if if Jesus does not go to the cross, if Jesus doesn't die, we're lost. If not, if there's not a sacrifice, if Jesus didn't come to do this, then Jesus shouldn't have come at all. See, if not, if Jesus doesn't go to the cross, if Jesus doesn't give his life, we have no hope. If there is no sacrifice, there is no salvation. See, here's the reality, church. God created all of us. God created everything that we see. And God set us out to live in relationship with him. And I don't know if you believe that or not. I don't know if that's something that you struggle with as you look at a broken world. But see, God, if you go back to the beginning, you go back into the book of Genesis, the way that God originally intended this world to be is not what we get to experience right now. It's broken. 
because of sin, because in, in, uh, of, of decisions that we've made, like we have made a mess of our relationship with God. Our intimacy and our connection and our relationship with him was severed the moment that sin entered the world. And God had a decision to make in that moment. Will I just leave them be? Will I let them stay apart from me? Will I just allow them to just drift from me more and more and more again? And here was the problem. There was nothing we could do to make it right. And the only way for us to have the things forgiven in our lives that need to be forgiven, that need to be dealt with in order to make us right with God, in order for us to experience salvation, in order for us to live in intimacy and relationship with God, is blood had to be shed. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness see if not we have no hope if not there is no good if not we cannot step from darkness into the light see the cross just wasn't the cross wasn't something nice it was something necessary And if not, if not the shedding of blood, if not the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross, then we have no hope. But if so, if so, the possibilities are endless. If not, we're lost, but if so, if Jesus made the decision to take your place. See, we've all done things that because God's holy and because of who he is, we don't deserve relationship with him. We don't deserve to spend eternity with him. We are so messed up and broken. And it was either one of two things. Either we were going to have to pay for that penalty or God was going to have to make another way. And if so, that means Jesus has taken your place. The blood that needed to be shed in order for you to be forgiven and get to know God and live with God and experience all that he is. If Jesus goes to the cross to pay your price, then that means you can have joy and fulfillment and significance and purpose and power and an eternity with the almighty creator God. If so. See, if so, Romans chapter 5, since we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. See, if not, it's over. But if so, it never is. If so, we get to have hope. And the good news is, when Jesus said, if I am lifted up, he carried through on that promise. Even though there were moments that he struggled with it, even though there were moments it was hard, he walked his path. He went to that cross and not, for your neighbor, not for a stranger across the world, for you, for every you that would ever be born, for every human. Remember also what he said? He said, if 
anyone, then I will draw all men unto me. If so, that, doesn't mean, that means it doesn't matter how messed up you think you are. It doesn't matter how much baggage you drug into this room. It doesn't matter how many mistakes that you've piled up, how many relationships that you've broken, how many times you've hurt people, how many times you've walked away. It doesn't matter how many times you haven't or have sat in a church on Sunday. What it means is because of who Jesus is and what he has done, everything that's necessary to make you right with God has already been done. Which means, you know what? You get to live as if you're forgiven and free. See, if not, we're still broken. If so, we can be made whole. And that means that we can live as if it doesn't depend on you. See, there's some people that walked in the room that you think salvation is as if I can get it right, as if I can make the best decisions, as if... I can go to church enough, as if, as if I can tithe enough, as if I can be a good enough dad, as if I can, we, we, we put all these as ifs on the conditions, but Jesus has already done everything necessary so you don't have to live as if it depends on you. Can I tell you some, some really good news? You'll never be good enough to earn heaven. But perfect, good people don't go to heaven. Saved people do. And Jesus did what was necessary for you to experience that salvation. If only. If only you will accept it. If only you will believe in it. If only you will confess with your mouth and believe your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. See, if not, we're broken, we're messed up, and we're lost. But if so, the possibilities are limitless. And we don't have to live as if it depends on us. If only you will make the decision to trust in his sacrifice and who he is and what he's done. Romans chapter 10 verse 9. If you, if you, if you, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew or Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If only. If is a powerful word. If makes all the difference. Jesus said, and if I, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto him. See, we live on the other side of that if. The disciples were on one side in that moment. We're on the other side. And if has turned into he was. 
And now that opens up endless possibilities for you. If only. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me? If only. If only. Maybe you're here today, and for the very first time, you get it. You understand it. You don't have to live if not. You get to live if so. You don't have to live as if. If only. So today, if you're here and you've never made that decision, you just heard how you do it. If you're here and you, you know that, you know, you know that you need to put your hope and trust in Jesus and allow the shedding of his blood to be the difference maker in your life. Would you just do me a favor? Would you just throw your hand up and leave it up? Or maybe you're here today and it's time that you went public with that decision. That's the decision that you made and you know what, and you know Jesus died for you and you know he is the only way and you know that you are now made right with God and your purpose and your hope lies in him. Today, I wanna invite you to take the next step and that's to go public with that faith in him through baptism. If you're here today and you didn't plan on making that decision, that's okay. We have everything that you need. We have shirts, we have shorts, we have towels. We have everything that you need to go public with your faith. And if that's you, would you do me a favor? Would you just stand to your feet, head out the back doors? There's going to be a couple of our pastors that are going to be there to meet you, to greet you, to walk you through what happens next for you to go public with your faith in baptism. They can walk you through those instructions and let you know what happens next. If that's you, don't hesitate. We're ready. We'll make a way for you to go public with your faith and baptism. See, Jesus ushered in something new. See, shedding of blood was necessary for the forgiveness of sins. In the Old Testament, they used to bring a sacrifice to the altar. To the altar, they would bring a lamb, a dove. That's what they had to bring to the altar in order to make themselves be atoned for their sins. But now, the altar still exists. But what God is asking you to bring is simply your heart. And so today, as we worship, come to the altar and bring your heart and give it to the one who made the necessary sacrifice so that it could be made whole. Father God, I pray that today, as we worship you, as we lift up this song, I pray that your spirit would move, that you would meet with us, God, and that the reality of who you are and what you've done would be so evident and real in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand and worship with us, church. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.